0: The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola.
1: Hi there and welcome to the Numinous Podcast where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is Kent Osborne. Kent is an executive coach and leadership development trainer with over two decades' experience in the industry internationally as well as in the National Hockey League. I've had the honor and privilege of being coached by Kent, and I love his unique style and compelling process. I'm very intrigued by the way he weaves the mythology of king arthur and the knights of the round table into his work i connected with kent over skype he was at home near barry ontario so kent tell me about arthurian legend when did you first become interested in this and what it what is it exactly
0: well um i first became interested in arthurian legend um at a crossroads in my professional life, I was um, at the time I was uh, working with the Detroit Red Wings in the National Hockey League, and my contract wasn't renewed, uh, which was very uh, very difficult for me because I felt that uh, this working with the Red Wings and also doing this doing this uh, corporate work with executives was uh, an ideal. Uh, blend for me and uh, part of the blend suddenly disappeared so I needed to make a decision as to um, you know what I continue to pursue work in uh, professional hockey as well as the uh, work uh, with corporations and it came to me literally during a walk in the woods that uh, I needed to get better at, uh, at what I did and I wasn't sure how to do that Um, I was aware of what was out there in the marketplace. And, um, you know, obviously I could uh, sign up for somebody else's seminar. Um, But uh, what came to me just intuitively in this time of uh, seeking, I guess you'd call it, was uh, that inner voice that said, uh, go to the Arthurian legends. And up until that point, I mean, I had a... Uh, You know, vague awareness of King Arthur and uh, Sir Lancelot and all of this stuff. But like everyone else, I basically looked at it as uh, something that was, you know, appropriate to uh, throw on a DVD and let the kids watch it on a Sunday afternoon if if I needed a uh, built-in babysitter. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, when I went to uh, the stories... um, Uh, Followed that uh, intuitive impulse and started reading uh, Thomas Mallory's Mort d'Arthur, which is written in the 15th century. Uh, Very early on, uh, I read about uh, young Arthur uh, drawing the uh, sword of destiny, the sword from the stone. And the story says that he drew it uh, lightly and fiercely. And it's those two, those three words, lightly and fiercely, really struck me because I thought to myself, "My God, that's that's what I'm trying to do with with athletes when you know if they're coming to me for help with their with their performance, trying to help them be light and fierce. That's what I'm trying to do with executives in terms of their uh, ability to inspire the people around them." So once I read that, uh, I thought to myself, "Self." Um, maybe there's some, uh, maybe there's some nuggets in there that, uh, that I could, uh, that I could use to help me, uh, help my clients. And so it, you know, the, the Arthurian mythology really, um, moved me, I think, uh, deeper into the mystery of leadership. Um, for me, um, you know, whether it's our leadership or, or any aspect of our lives, I, I think it's I think the it's more of a mystery than a science. I think we're in our culture. We look for scientific answers to everything, which is natural. I mean, science has has provided the fact that, we, you know, you can be in Vancouver and I can be in Ontario and we can have this conversation tonight. But when it comes to who we are and how we are uh, in any dimension, um, I think it's about uh, Approaching the mystery more than it is um, figuring it out. So,
1: wow. Um, yeah. So that's profound because, I, well, for so many reasons, but first of all, because it came from within you. It, just even mm. that idea that within you, as you were walking in the woods, this rather bizarre, unexpected prompting. Came. Yes. And yes. so did you experience many of those or, or, or has that become more common? or was that really just a seminal moment when your intuition nudged you that strongly?
0: Well, I think it was it was a seminal moment, and I think that um, my, my intuition does play a, a significant role in, in my professional life and I think in my personal life too. But I think that was one of those moments that stand out for me. And I think um, the fact that I was ask, asking for help,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: really from a, in a heartfelt way. I, I was looking for guidance. I, I was open to some guidance. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, I, I'm out for a stroll to the grocery store and suddenly, bang, you know, I get this, mm-hmm. get this idea popped into my head. But I was genuinely asking for help. And, um, you know, the, the, work, uh, the, the knowledge that I found in the Arthurian legends did, I believe, you know, help me help others. They helped me help my mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's helped me to a certain extent, but you know, the interesting thing about, about me, I'm not sure if, if you feel the, the same way, but I'm, I'm much, I, I think I'm great sometimes actually at helping others. Um. I'm occasionally good at helping myself.
1: <laughs> yes, I <laughs> you know, am totally so, with
0: you on that. <laughs> it, you know, so the, uh, but yes, the, the Arthurian legends have been, uh, have been a special source of, of uh, wisdom and they've, they took my career to, uh, to another level, a level that I didn't think uh, was possible at the time when, uh, when it first came to my mind.
1: Before I ask you about those other levels, can you tell me the myth of Arthur? I know that there are many sort of side stories and there, there are many, many characters. But if you were to encapsulate uh, Arthur's hero's journey, how would you explain that to somebody who doesn't know anything about Arthurian legend?
0: Well, um, Arthur reveals what I, the, the stories of Arthur... Are often referred to as the Arthurian cycle, and they're referred to as a cycle because they they move through what I believe are uh, four seasons: spring, summer, fall, and winter, and four seasons that are uh, relevant in the in the life of a leadership, in life of a leader. And I and I think what's important about them is that, as opposed to the the idea of a linear trajectory—that you, you know, you progress from one level to another level to another level to another level—you um, know—they suggest more of a spiral or, or this um, this looping in and in around itself, mm-hmm. around four core themes: um, a theme of purpose, a theme of learning, a theme of accomplishment, and a theme of renewal. And these are these are uh, themes that whether you're a a, a new supervisor or whether you're a ceo you know ask you you need to you need to grapple with what am i all about who am i what's my identity as a leader you you need to grapple with what do i really need to learn you need to grapple with the idea okay what is accomplishment here versus just achievement and you're going to go through winter and you, you need you need to know how to find renewal and so we come upon these, a leader comes upon these themes or these learning opportunities time after time after time. And the stories uh, are designed in a way that they allow us to enter into the mystery of those core themes. <clears throat> they enter. We enter into the mystery of those seasons. So I would say that um, Arthur really is a myth, the Arthurian stories are are really stories that are specifically designed as a a leadership school, an MBA program, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. a mythological MBA program. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that they, my thinking is that they were pre-existing before the time of Arthur. Arthur, if he lived, would have lived around 475 A.D., mm. And there, there's a in Celtic mythology. There's a tribe, I believe, called the Duanadatha that, you know, a, a thousand years before that had these four sacred objects. They had a, they had a, um, a stone, a sword, a spear, and a cauldron. And if you look at the four stories, you have the sword and the stone. You have you have Excalibur, which is not the sword and the stone. You saw something totally different. You have Excalibur, which is the sword story. You have the the cauldron or the Grail story, and then you have the the, uh, the story of the death of the or Arthur, the winter story, which is really centered around uh, a spear. So I, I think these. Ex- I think what happened was these mythologies were pre-existing, and then and passed on orally, and then this character Arthur. Lived in such a way that he embodied them that given the fact that there was an oral tradition and these stories were passed on for a, for a thousand years i 'm sorry for six hundred years at least before they were written down mm-hmm. and so by the time they were written down, I believe in the twelfth century for the first time the the, the the mythology and the man were completely fused, mm. much mm-hmm. like you know if I may say so, much like Christ, I mean you have this pre-existing mythologies and this individual who who would have lived in a way that exemplified these mythologies and by the time things started to be written down 60 80 90 years later um the fusing of the two occurs
1: Mm -hmm. well and interesting how uh how very basic our symbolism really is when you when you describe the four objects of course that is now echoed in the tarot with the mm. the swords, the the wands, the, the, yes. the cups and the pentacles, which are often um, interchanged with the the stone, uh, yeah. you know, being of the earth. And over time, it it's very difficult to locate the genesis of these things. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. the wisdom contained in those symbols, and then, of course, in the in the stories, it it's it doesn't surprise me in a way that it just came from within you. That we're made of this stuff, that somehow yeah. we know it within, and so yeah. that wisdom just came to you from, you know, some, some ancient place, which I, I find fascinating. So I'm, 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 I'm still really drawn to this image of you walking in the woods at a time in your career where, you know, you said you were honestly asking, but also, I mean, I can hear the humility that you must have. <laughs> may have been feeling at that time um that there was a you know some surprise there and to be able to say I need to get better at what I do is a is a I mean that's a very tender kind of um, thought and and thought process to be following is there a character that at that time you most identified with from Arthurian legend was it Arthur or or maybe now when you when you picture yourself walking through the woods and and seeking in that way. Is there a character from legend that you would most uh, identify as being, uh, you know, an archetypal influencer, somebody you could relate to, or a story you could relate to mostly at that time?
0: Hmm. Well, uh, from a character point of view, I, I, I think I wanted to uh, relate to Merlin. I mean, given the, uh, given the work that I do, Mm -hmm. um, but i think that the the story that uh most moved me was re- really the the story of the grail and and the
1: understanding that
0: i uh that i, that I think i i found there
1: Tell me um, about the story of the grail.
0: Well, um i'll i'll tell you an interesting fragment from from the beginning of the story. So the story of the grail is um the Arthur and his knights and and various accounts suggest there was eighteen or twenty four or thirty six, but there was a, a, you know a lot, lot of them. They were at a a point in their lives where they were pretty successful. And this particular version of the of the Grail story talks about Arthur and his knights gathering for a meal, gathering for a feast after the, after Pentecost. So as you know, Pentecost was, you know, was culminate comes after Lent. It's after a time of prayer and fasting. And so they gather for this meal and, and the grail appears. It surprised them. They weren't looking for it, weren't asking for it. Just suddenly in the room the grail appears, covered in this cloth called whites, called Samite. And samite apparently was a cloth that was, you know, you could see through it, but it 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 was kind of like a silken thing that was kind of veiled as well. So it's almost like appeared in a dream. So so the idea was well, this this was a vision. This was not something that was fully formed or even fully there, but it was a it was a vision that appeared to these guys. And the story says that when the when the when the grail appeared, it's whatever each knight wanted to eat appeared in his place. And it seemed as though all of the spices of the earth were spread about the room, and that every night was lit from within, and so this experience continued for a number for a number of minutes. The Grail then disappeared as quickly as it appeared, and after a few more minutes of silence, um, Arthur's cousin Gawain stood up and made the vow to uh, to seek uh, to seek the Grail. Now, the interesting, the fascinating understanding for me, which I didn't really get until that moment, was that they had the full inner experience before they took a step on the quest. Mm. Completely. They had the whole thing, the sights, smells, tastes. They're lit, completely lit from within. So, you know, it just really boggled my mind. And it helped me understand that if, you, if you're if you really on a grail quest, that you already have it in your heart before you hold it in your hand. As a matter of fact, you have to have it in your heart or you will never hold it in your hand. And the other thing, the thing that was amazing about that story for me was it was written by Cistercian monks. And the Cistercians um, are an order in the Catholic Church. That if you're a Cistercian monk, you sign your name OCSO, Order of the Cistercians of Strict Observance, and which means that they looked at the Benedictines at the time that's well said, and thought these guys were soft. So they had to do, they had to even be more austere in their, in their silence, more austere in their food, more austere in their living conditions, and these individuals who who basically you know shunned every every pleasure that they could think of, were writing this story about spices and senses and sensuality and lit from within. So that was a that was a pivotal moment for me. Understanding that, um, you know, shifted me from. Um, you know, moving to achieve something to moving to, to more towards accomplishing things. And, uh, it, it, you know, interesting words because achieve comes from a, a medieval word, chaven, which means to finish it. And accomplish is rooted in a, in a Latin, which means to fill up. Mm-hmm. So w- we use these words interchangeably. Obviously, in our language, you know, like you need to achieve this, you need to accomplish that. But the truth of the matter is, if you're on a grail quest, you're all about accomplishment. And if you're just on a quest to achieve something, then, you know, then you be, you see the Philip Seymour Hoffmans of the world who couldn't be more lauded or couldn't be more appraised for his work or couldn't, you know, had some, left something like 30 million in the bank to his kids. But... Um, obviously, uh, all his achievements, uh, were for not, he wasn't led from within. Not the cat. I shouldn't say, I don't know the guy personally, but right. I'm just looking at, you know, the idea of someone who seemingly had it all, but, yeah. um, didn't, yeah.
1: Yeah. So when you are leading, uh, corporate executives and you're doing some leadership training as an mm-hmm. executive coach, how do you, do you just tell that story? Cause like, I feel lit up just hearing it. Oh, yeah. you know, I'm excited okay. to like, go, yeah. okay, what, yeah. I need to visualize this. I need to go into meditation right after yeah. this, because that's, cool. that's so exciting. Right. Yeah. So when you tell that story, did they, what do you do? Do you, do you then just like lead them right into a visioning exercise? Like how do you capture the magic of myth in your actual work as a coach?
0: Just like that. Mm. Just like that. And then then the trick is to give them an experience of being lit from within and and to help them understand that, you know, the old phrase that, you know, it really is be to have not have to be. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but the story, what I find opens them up to the experience. Like the, that's those stories, those enduring mythic stories kind of help to break through the ice and, move us into the mystery of our own story Mm -hmm. because we can see those, we can see those themes and that's, yeah. So that's how I do it. Um, I used to do it years ago. I used to do uh, a seminar that I called the Merlin experience and, and it was pretty cool because we just spent a couple of days and we would just take a deep dive into these themes. Um, now what I do is I, 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 weave these stories and, uh, you know, sometimes other stories into, uh, into the fabric of what I'm doing.
1: Do you feel more like Merlin now?
0: Uh, no. <laughs>
1: Who do you identify with now as a character?
0: Uh, I would say more, you know, the, the, there's a character in uh, in the, the, the Finnish. The Finns have a beautiful mythology called Calavala.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a book on that, we got it in. Yeah. I mean, just beautiful. Yes, tell me more.
0: Yeah, totally okay. cool. Well, there's a character there that, and you know, I don't speak Finnish, so this I don't know how this will sound, but I believe it's his name is pronounced something like Vina hmm And Vina Mernin is a um, you know is, is a he's a Merlin-like character in the sense, but but he doesn't have that um, that wizardry kind of air to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's more of a, of an earthy, uh, kind of a flawed, um, you know, has some wisdom, but also has it in a, in a package that uh, not quite perfect. So, um, I don't know whether it's, um, the, uh, the result of the work that I'm done, but I think I'm, I'm too aware of my shortcomings to, uh, claim to, uh, <laughs> Claim to be, uh, you know, um, wearing Merlin's cloak.
1: <laughs> so, uh, I have a question that is uh, kind of standard fare on the show, um, and it it may seem that you know divergent, but I I'm very curious to hear what do you consider perfect happiness.
0: Well, I'd say. Th- it's the times when um, I'm with my family and we're having a few laughs mm-hmm. I mean it just doesn't get better than that for me <laughs> and I'm fortunate in that regard uh, my wife and I have been together for thirty years, and uh, we have four uh adult children and uh, we actually have a have a very close family so uh those moments um, th- those moments are special, mm-hmm. so you know I would Drop it down a, a, on a scale. There's times when I'm doing my work when I feel that uh, uh, you know the, that I've really, really helped someone find an insight within themselves. That that you just know it's going to be meaningful for them. You just know it's going to move them uh, personally or professionally. Mm-hmm. And then a level below that, uh, when I uh, when I hit a hit a ball on the golf course, that just it's just right on the screws and it's just, you're, you're just in that moment. And, uh, yeah. So kind of three levels of it for me.
1: That's great. Well, yeah. I'm always, uh, I feel like whenever you and I talk, I'm, I'm sort of semi in trance and I just love listening to you. I could, I could listen to you tell uh, stories of, of myth and legend for hours and hours. And it, it is meaningful. It's transformative. I really, really appreciate you sharing on my show. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Well, thank you. It's, it's really a privilege.
1: Well, there you have it folks, your mythological MBA, or at least a little insight into it. Let's just recap And allow all of that to sink in. If you go all the way back to the beginning of that conversation, those two words, light and fierce, are so beautiful when brought together in a phrase like that. And what I'm really taking away from this conversation is that wonderful image of Kent asking for help in a heartfelt way and being genuinely open to guidance. I feel like that is Uh, an archetypal experience and a very powerful image for all of us to learn from and of course then when Kent reminded us that it really is be do have I think I'll always keep that image in my mind of all of the knights of the round table feasting on their favorite foods and feeling lit from within before they even took one step on their grail quest. That was a really special conversation for me to be able to share with you how Kent moves us into the mystery of our own story. Today's show notes can be found on my website, carmenspagnola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Just click the link for the podcast tab. I want to thank Kent for being on the show and thank you so much for listening If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate your review on iTunes, but more importantly, please share the show far and wide so it can reach more seekers like you, because you never know who needs to hear it right now. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, carmenspaniola.com, and click the link for The Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter... You'll instantly receive a meditation download and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care.